0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of Community Spotlight. We are broadcasting from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio and I am your host, Amanda Pierce. Today I am joined by Carrie Heron, the CFO of CAB Incorporated, who is a great friend of Business Radio X and a returning powerhouse woman, alongside Nancy Freoff, President and CEO of Partnership Against Domestic Violence. And PADV is the reason that we are here today. Nancy and Carrie, please tell our listeners a little bit about the organization and all the great work you're doing within our community and we'll go ahead and start with Nancy.
1: Absolutely, and Amanda, thank you so much for having us on today. We always say that domestic violence hates darkness, and, or it loves darkness, and it hates light, and so when people like you have us on your show, it's an opportunity to bring light to this topic, so thank you for much, so much for the opportunity to be here. So Partnership Against Domestic Violence was the first domestic violence agency in Georgia, the fifth in the nation. Uh, we have very comprehensive services. We have shelters in Fulton and Gwinnett County, 24-hour crisis line, legal advocacy see families are in our supportive housing program as the next step after being in the shelter. We do a lot of work in dating violence to help youth understand what a healthy relationship looks like and also to help adults understand and parents the realities that their children are facing. Uh, we do a lot of community education and awareness. Our mission is to end the crime of intimate partner violence and empower survivors. So really everything we do is, is to help us accomplish and move towards that mission
0: it sounds obvious that you're passionate about the organization and what you do may i ask a bold question of course um where did the enthusiasm come from? Maybe did you experience something personally or did someone close to you have one of those experiences that kind of led to the initiation of this organization? Mm-hmm. So
1: I have been so fortunate in my life that I have not been a victim of domestic violence. And I say fortunate because we know that one in four women and one in seven men uh, will experience it. So I am uh, delighted I've been married to a wonderful man for 39 years. And I think I've seen a lot from him about what um, love and relationships should should look like Uh, none of us uh, don't know someone who's been a victim of domestic violence we know it happens in every race economic background educational level and so I think for me my passion has always been in all of my career um, abuse and hurt is wrong and people have a right to live a life uh, that's joyful and free of violence and where everyone is respected and valued so that's really what I've been about uh, all the time I've been doing this work.
0: And how long has the organization been around?
1: So we were incorporated in 1977 so we are now in our 44th year of service provision. That's amazing.
0: Cheers to all of your efforts. Now you both have uh, different roles Carrie and Nancy uh, within the organization. Share a little bit about uh, what distinguishes what you do. Well I'll let carrie take it because carrie is one of our outstanding leadership
1: volunteers and without people like carrie and our board and all the people that support us in the community our work wouldn't be possible so oh well thank you um
2: thank you nancy and um so while nancy is uh president and ceo of partnership against domestic violence that's her full-time gig she Um, is devoted it's more than full-time it is it is what she does every day so I am a community volunteer been involved since about 2014 I started out with a uh, participating on the Gwinnett Fund Development Committee and what we do is raise money specifically for the Gwinnett Crisis Shelter so a very focused uh, purpose in that group and um, that just led to more volunteer opportunities, as Nancy shared so well, uh, so much about what the organization does. That's it's why I'm still participating because it's such a full breadth organization, uh, really offering services, expanding the reach of this organization for this much needed, um, much needed organization and services. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm simply a volunteer, and uh, recently what two years ago Nancy joined the board of directors and so I see the organization and and have an opportunity to have a different type of influence and impact Mm -hmm. and um, so I'm so delighted that you have us here now because this is exciting to to get our message out and to continue to share about this wonderful organization and what we do.
0: And you kind of put the bug in my ear last year because it's been a while since you've been in the hot seat and you mentioned this organization and tried and true. We circled back around so that we could talk a little bit more about it. You were true to your word. And I'm very excited to have you back in the studio. Let's um, talk a little bit about what you guys have facilitated to generate um, some funds and awareness. And then we'll kind of dive into the depth of what you guys do within the community. So you mentioned being out there in the community and involvement for the organization. What does community support mean for your organization? Nancy?
1: Well, as I said previously, we wouldn't be able to do what we do if it weren't for community support. We are fortunate that we do get uh, grants from government sources, um, federal, state, local level. That's only about half of what it costs to run our organization. So the funds that people in the community raise for us, that means our shelter doors stay open. That means there's always a voice on the other end of that crisis line when somebody calls. That means when someone goes to the courthouse in terror Because her husbands tried to break the door down the past three nights, that that advocate is there to help her get that temporary protective order and to ensure that her kids are going to be safe when they go to school every day. So it's just it's absolutely critical um, the funds that people raise for us, and equally important are the are all the different volunteers we have. So we not so much during COVID, but we're getting back but we have volunteers that prepare meals that do activities with the children that uh, paint for us that do our yard work so there's so many different ways that people come together um, to support to enable our work and and the other thing i want to say about that People that are survivors of domestic violence, their self-esteem has been taken to the ground. They've been told over and over how worthless they are, how, how pitiful they are, how no one would ever want them. And so when these folks see people in the community coming and saying, you're great, you're wonderful, and you can do it, it's, it, it's so uplifting for them. And it's a very important part of, of their journey to safety and to hope and to a violence-free life.
0: I liked the term that you used, Carrie. You said you give a new breath, and it sounds very much a lot like mm-hmm. what you are just saying, Nancy. Let me ask you, because you mentioned, um, just for our listeners who might not be familiar, you're mentioning a, a brick and mortar. So tell us a little bit about the facility itself and some of the resources available, because you touched on a hotline. You touched on um, you know, food services, mm-hmm. health, etc., kind of share with our listeners all those okay. facets absolutely
1: so we have two shelters and one is in Fulton County and one is in Gwinnett County and we have a total capacity between the two shelters of about 80 people and that includes parents and their children and I say parents 95% of the people that we serve in our, in our shelters as parents are the mothers, but we don't discriminate based upon gender, gender orientation, race, anything like that. So we have served men in our, in our shelters, and, and we will continue to do that. When someone enters the shelter, basically all of their needs are met. So um, food, clothing, personal care items, transportation, assistance with um, locating jobs, child care assistance, case management, counseling, whatever that person may need to start that journey uh, to a violence-free life and self-sufficiency, we provide that. We have child advocates that work with the children because we know children are very traumatized by being in homes with domestic violence. Um, We do follow-up services. As I said, people can move from the shelter into supportive housing, which is their own apartment in the community where they then are learning how to really live independently while we're continuing to provide that support and financial assistance to help them make that final step into their into their own housing. Um, and I kind of mentioned the whole comprehensive range of services, so I'll stop because I could talk forever <laughs> and, and kind
0: of let you uh, guide us where we Navigate. need to go next. I'm just really curious because you mentioned um, the capacity. So I'm sure that the need is greater than your ability to assist. What is the vetting process like? I don't even know if that's the right mm-hmm. word, but how do you, um, choose who's able to come through your doors.
1: Well, so what we do—the the main uh, entrain, entrance way to our services is through calling the crisis line. We do have some folks that come to us by seeking legal advocacy and then realizing that they need immediate shelter as well. So our crisis line advocates are going to talk with them about going on what's going on. They're going to ensure that it's a domestic violence need for shelter and not a general homelessness need, and not that those folks don't really need shelter, but because of limited bed space, we have to reserve it for folks. Uh, experiencing domestic violence, that it's an imminent need, that there's a, an issue immediately facing them, uh, that, that they're needing shelter, and, uh, and that they don't have any other options. We're going to help them explore, well, is there a family member? Is there a friend? Um, and if that's the case then if we have space we're actually going to provide it for them if we don't have space we are going to call other shelters until we find a place for them to go so we're never going to say oh sorry we're Mm -hmm. full good luck the other thing we've been doing since covid is putting people in hotels for about a week before they come into the shelter to try to reduce the risk of spreading covid and we've gotten some really uh, wonderful funds through covid cares grants to support that and so that's now another option that we're using if the shelters are full that we can provide that immediate stay in a hotel and sometimes that week or two provides the space for that person and what we've paid for bus tickets we have paid for airline tickets to family members in other states so just looking at what are all the different options and resources we can put together to make it fit for each person that's
0: contacting us that's very uh heartwarming to hear that you help field other resources for people that don't necessarily meet your specific requirements that's wonderful and so reassuring to hear that you're not just going to leave someone high and dry because I can only imagine making that call the desperation Mm -hmm. or you know the feeling of unease so I tip my hat to you ladies for taking it a step further. And I'm sure okay. you have great working relationships with other nonprofits or other people that are providing different levels of service for the community.
2: Absolutely. And I'll mention on the crisis line, so while the shelters are in Fulton and Gwinnett, that is that is not the limit of the reach of the organization. The crisis line is really statewide. Uh, the teen dating violence seminars are statewide. So there is a much broader reach Um than just these counties, and um, yeah, with the organization having the history that it does, we've we've kind of heard a term um, that PADV is a bit of a big sister organization to smaller, more you know, local other county agencies. There's a lot of wonderful domestic violence agencies around, and um, so we help we help these smaller organizations as mm-hmm. well with the resources and uh, knowledge that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and every person who calls the crisis line, um, a discussion is had on a safety plan. So it's really designed for that particular caller. That safety plan may be just something as simple as going to a neighbor's house, mm-hmm. you know, just to some degree, or it may be as extreme as getting to the shelter that night. Mm-hmm. So it's very customized for what the caller is
0: needing. Do you work hand in hand with um, the police or or anybody? Because I imagine a domestic violence situation, hopefully the law enforcement is involved uh, and the offenders being, you know, taken away or it's being righted, shall I say, they're wrong. Um, So do you have any... Affiliation with the police in the process uh, and what does that kind of look like? Mm-hmm. So, uh,
1: we definitely work with law enforcement and we work to do training with law enforcement to help them understand. I always say domestic violence makes absolutely no sense until you understand the dynamics of it. You know, it makes no sense to be hurt in your home, which should be the safest place where you are. It makes no sense to stay with someone who's hurting you until you understand why that happens. And it makes no sense to hurt someone that you love because I. I believe many abusers do actually love um, the person that you're hurting. So When you're a law enforcement officer, and now this is the fifth time I've come out to this house and I've seen this person screaming and crying and, and saying, yes, I absolutely want to press charges, and then two months later I'm back and the same thing's going on, it can be hard to stay patient mm-hmm. and it can be hard to understand that. So we really work with law enforcement to help them understand the dynamics and perhaps why they're seeing what they're seeing. The reality is, the for many survivors, calling the police may not feel safe. If you're someone who's undocumented, um, and, off, and often abusers use kind of what they think is the weakest point or the easiest way to get that person right. So if you're undocumented, we'll go ahead and call the police. They're going to deport you, and I'm going to get the children, and you'll you'll never see your kids again. Um, we've we've seen uh, with with people of color a concern about if I call the police, is it going to escalate? It I want this person out of my home. I don't want him harmed. So is it safe to be able to do that um, we've heard uh, abusers if uh, you know and, and the person, frankly, may or may not have a mental health problem, but, you know, police come out, oh, you know, she's not on her meds, and she just acts crazy all the time, so just ignore. So I think police intervention absolutely can can mean safety, um, and we tell folks if they call us, and if they're in immediate danger, call 911. We are not first responders. We can ensure that um, immediate safety, and we still have work to do all the way around to to increase uh, the inf- the effectiveness of that and also um, survivors' comfort in feeling like that is going to be a really good resource for them.
0: Speaking of volunteers and um, associates, who is on the other side of that call? Are the people that are fielding these calls uh, through your hotline, are they volunteers or are they hired professionals all volunteering so
1: well no yeah. they're they're staff uh-huh. um the vast majority of the time they're staff again we it's a 24-hour a day 365 a year uh call center basically right and right? we never uh, there's always a voice on the other end of that phone in fact with uh covid we've put in place a system um where staff can now answer crisis calls through their computer so there's even more capability of having more staff people um able to do it both on site Um, and remotely. We do, however, have volunteers that assist with that as well. So we'll do training with them and they will sit with staff. It's being on the crisis line, you never know what you're going to get and you never know what that person's needs are going to be. So you have a, a good sense of both what people are bringing to you and all the different resources those issues may need to address them
0: can only imagine the demeanor of the people that are taking the calls. You have to use extreme sensitivity, empathy, listen, you know, be nurturing and comforting all in one. So, like you said, I, I can only imagine some of the things that they hear. Hmm.
1: Yeah, and I just I have to do a, a quick shout-out to our staff. Uh, it is not easy work. As I said, you never know what people are going to bring you, and not only on the crisis line, but when people get into the shelter, I mean, they are stressed out, they are anxious, they are afraid, they're dealing with their schizophrenia, kids screaming all the time they're dealing with all these different personalities that they're living with in the shelter and you know residents lose it sometimes and they yell at staff and they have conflict with each other and talk about having to stay calm and to mediate and to manage we are doing everything our staff's doing everything they can to try to address that situation so the person can get in a better place and move forward with successfully again creating that violence-free life so they're absolutely amazing i just have to give Mm. them a shout out they are Shout amazing. To the staff mm-hmm. and
0: all mm-hmm. the volunteers as well. I want to ask really, or I wanted to um, say how wonderful it is that you address the teen violence too you've said that many times and not many people think that high schoolers in a relationship or even younger college you know like oh that's not serious relationship there's none of that but it it does exist and those youngsters might not feel empowered to break free from that situation so it's wonderful that you cater to all all aspects yeah
2: in fact we did uh the Gwinnett Fund Development Committee mm-hmm. hosted the Women in Action Breakfast Forum mm-hmm. the one the event that we talked about the mm-hmm. first time and our topic that year was teen dating violence and there was a very interesting statistic and Nancy helped me if I don't remember it right I believe it is um, one in three or one in four teens will experience teen dating violence mm-hmm. but 83% of parents had a perspective that it would never happen to their child. That the teen dating violence wasn't even a possibility, and yet it's, so it's many occurring. children, yeah, yeah, young teens, um, college-age kids, are going to experience it. So that huge disconnect mm-hmm. between what, a, what parents are thinking is going on in the dating what's world reality. and what's really happening.
0: And one could, you know, you could venture to say that Um, if they you know get help at that age and they kind of nip it in the bud because imagine if you have a 16 year old girl that's in an abusive relationship and she tolerates it carrying forward to the rest of her life in other relationships she might be subject to that same treatment because she never knew anything other so if you remedy it at the early age there will be hope moving forward for those relationships absolutely healthy relationships Mm -hmm.
1: yeah there was a study done Uh, Georgia has a fatality review committee where they look at deaths that are a result of domestic violence and try to find out what are common factors and what can we address and um, what they found out is that people that are killed by their abuser are more sle- are most likely to meet their abuser between the ages of 16 and 23 wow. so it becomes very very clear that that early intervention is absolutely critical mm-hmm. for the safety and well-being of people going
2: forward yeah and the um, teen dating summit is the annual event um, that is I I mentioned that Georgia-wide teens come from all over teens and parents it's no charge to the teens no charge to the parents and um, it's over 10,000 a year participating or was it 15,000 this
1: last year because of the well it's, it, it's not we haven't gotten quite that big huh? we haven't gotten quite that big we it's generally fine. we generally have about 500 people at it oh. which is still you know it's but it's still it's a Very lot of people and, yes. it's, and it's a, like you said it's about half adults and half youth and it's a great opportunity to get that conversation going and everyone's really excited and the energy is great and again it sounds kind of strange to say but people have a great time
0: when yeah. they're there and, and learn
1: a lot. And there's teen ambassadors
2: who are um, participating in the program, the development of the program. So just imagine those teenagers going back to their yeah. high schools or mm-hmm. colleges, mm-hmm. having had that experience with a whole different perspective and what they can share and how sure. they can really turn things
0: around for everyone they meet mm-hmm. in terms of dating violence. We're speaking with Carrie Heron and Nancy Freyoff of uh, Partnerships Against Domestic Violence. And if anybody cares to learn more about that organization, you can visit them online at www.padv.org. And, ladies, before we dive into the tournament upcoming, which I'm very excited to Mm -hmm. talk about, I just have a, a word from one of our community partners. Burn Boot Camp in Swanee. Kickstart your transformation and enjoy a 45-minute dynamic workout that includes a combination of strength and high-intensity interval training. They have one-on-one focus meetings with trainers, personalized nutrition and guidance, and they have complimentary child watch. Stop in and say hello to the operators, Roy and Erica Bean, and tell them Business Radio X sent you. All right, ladies. Now, June 11th, which is just right around the corner. Holy smokes, this year has flown by. We went from like a detrimental 2020, and now we're already Q2. Can you believe it? Zoom. Yeah. Our listeners can't see this visually attractive flyer that I'm Mm -hmm. holding in my hand, but it's got blue, or excuse me, purple and green, and it just looks like so much fun. I guess those are y'all's colors. Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very nice. And it's going to be held at Bears Best. Carrie, why don't you tell us a little bit about this? Because I know you've been working hard on it for quite a while. I am thrilled to tell you, and really hats off to
2: um, the women in our committee who are leading this Mm -hmm. charge um, and getting this tournament organized. I'm kind of support role in this, but we are so excited. This is our inaugural event, Mm -hmm. Tee Up to End Domestic Violence. I love the date. You already said, Friday, June 11th at Bears Best. And we need tournament golfers. You're going to have a great time uh, playing this course. It's a beautiful course. Bears Best is is. just wonderful. And uh, if you come on out, register at 9 in the morning, uh, get on the course at 10. We'll have a shotgun start at 10. And we have a beginner's clinic so Ooh. if you are not a tournament golfer um again come on out we've got a beginner's clinic we're going to start that after our tournament golfers head out for their day of 18 holes mm-hmm. and uh, we'll start registration at ten thirty mm-hmm. and start our clinic at 11 we've got a, a pga golfer who will be leading us in that we'll do a little bit on our short game mm-hmm. on the putting green we'll do a little bit on Uh, driving the ball and just learning the basics and just really have a great time Uh, and then because we anticipate that these beginners might be more women than men Mm -hmm. but it's open to everyone of course we will have a wonderful luncheon for the clinic golfers and we'll get a short presentation from the child advocate at partnership against domestic violence so we'll give a little education and exposure Mm -hmm. to that facet of the services um, and I've listened to the child advocate share uh, some of the things that she does, and it's just it's just wonderful to hear, to yeah. hear and it's important to hear, um, as hard as it is to hear yeah. the things that um, kids who are in this circumstance face. Um, so we'll do that, and just really enjoy our time to, time together that day. But it's going to be great. So if people are interested, a, yeah,
0: in golfing, how can they? Yes. Yeah, so do
2: register. Don't just show up. Um, come on and get online you can register by going to www.padv.org go to events click on events you'll scroll down and see golf tournament and clinic and click on that and it'll lead you the way to get registered at that point
0: are you guys having sponsors as well We do sponsors and stuff. Mm -hmm. Very nice. And are you still seeking sponsors for the tournament? If so, how
2: we are, we are still seeking sponsors. Uh We have some sponsorship opportunities. And of course, with some of those levels of sponsorship comes some tournament golf play as well. And clinic participation. So yes, we would welcome sponsors. Um, We've got a great group of supporting sponsors um, that are going to be highlighted uh, at the event. Are you able to share a couple? Northside. Northside uh, Hospital. Wonderful. So mm-hmm. yes, um, Northside's been behind our organization for a long time, and uh, as a premier sponsor, um, we can't say enough about Northside mm-hmm. and uh, their commitment to ending domestic violence. Is uh, it's just in everything they do. So we're glad from their support for to this, support this organization you, yeah. to when you're in the hospital, you right. can see a lot of materials throughout the hospital to reach yeah. out to people who may need help. Um, cab incorporated of course. yes uh epic insurance brokers uh buffington burns electric mm-hmm. uh to name a few um,
0: and a little birdie told me that maybe business radio x will be broadcasting live from the tournament i think that will we'll happen see. that yeah. little birdie you told us, us the same thing so we're very excited to meet. have you there yeah. we're excited to come and we'll definitely get a word from some of your sponsors fantastic good um If somebody wanted to contribute outside of participating in the tournament, obviously um, contributions are welcome. Would they do that also through the website? Is there a a donation or a contribution tab as well? Right,
2: exactly. Right next to the register button, Mm -hmm. if you follow that pathway that I just shared, uh, right next to it is a donate button.
0: So uh, just a donation can come
2: along as well. And out of
0: curiosity, just because you mentioned, you know, like housing and I know how many essential things, especially women need just basic mm-hmm. things. Do you guys accept maybe toiletries or, or anything? Can people give in kind um, outside of dollars? And if so, what do you need? Absolutely. We we
1: have, again, wonderful supporters that, that donate. Um, all the different items that we need within our program we currently are not accepting any used items again because right. of COVID um, and you can go again to our website and find a list of uh, current needs but generally the things you think about running a household and running it for 50 people right so paper we towels, need we need paper, paper towels we need toilet paper shampoo. we have we're, exactly we have lots of babies so we need diapers in every sizes uh, cleaning supplies obviously disinfectant supplies um, and we do have a list of that on our uh, website as well the other thing that we do is we're registered at amazon we're registered at, at, at the at the you know the the wedding list? the marriage yeah. registry so you can just go and do a search on for partnership against domestic violence and then the things that we need just uh, add them to your cart. within our program right you can just um, add them to your cart and ship them directly to us so that's a real convenient way for people to donate to us very exciting
0: well, ladies, as we as we round the end of this specialty program, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners about the organization that we didn't touch on? Uh, and if not, then how can someone reach someone at your place? I know we talked about a, a coordinator maybe that you were going to give the information. Uh, please share that with them.
2: Yeah, I would say we haven't touched on... Um other, I want to. Well, we touched a little bit on it, but I want to talk a little more about volunteer opportunities. Um, so there is a volunteer coordinator. Is it? A, is she at both shelters, or is there one at each? No, shelter? she covers
1: for the whole organization. Okay. And uh, Katie Turner is Katie her Turner. name. Mm-hmm. And the best way really just to make it easy for everybody is you can just email us at info at padv.org. And so if you want a speaker, that's another thing we haven't talked a lot about, but we do a lot of community education and we can speak in general about DV. We, we do work with employers about DV in the workplace. Again, with our dating violence program, we do a lot of community ed. Anything, um, just go to info at org, and we will get it to the appropriate person to respond and and get you whatever it is um that you're looking for and again our website is just a wealth of information so again as we talked about donating uh volunteer opportunities you can find all of that on our
0: website yeah carrie what specific volunteer opportunities are available i feel like you had something maybe that you wanted to mention specifically
2: yeah so um A little bit of my story was getting in, you know, coming on to this fundraising committee, and I had no experience fundraising. This was so foreign to me and uncomfortable, quite frankly.
0: But you deal with money all day. I know, but (laughs) I don't ask people for it.
2: (laughs) And um, so I've learned a lot, but what's beautiful about this committee that I'm on and all really any opportunity that you want to engage in with this organization is not only do we do fundraising, in fact, that's probably 25 percent of what we do the other 75 percent of the time we're putting together events for shelter residents so we do a um an event a santa's breakfast in december yeah um we bring a christmas tree a live tree to the shelter and make sure right exactly um Meals. Nancy mentioned that we did um, an Easter egg hunt. We do a back to school event at the shelter. Uh, what else? Halloween a party, trunk or treat. Aww. Yeah. So we get to be with the folks, the residents uh, at the shelter, and Absolutely. the appreciation that mm-hmm. that um, that they have. And I, you kind of get more than you give mm-hmm. when you go <laughs> to participate in right. an event like that because. Um, you're just helping these kids smile for a while. You yeah. might, we might provide time for moms to sit around and talk mm-hmm. because we're doing crafts with right. their children, busy. um, and just giving them a moment to just, just rest, just abide and be waited on and catered to for a little bit. And that's part of the healing journey that I, that, that we participate in. So it's so much more than just fundraising. Mm-hmm and uh, and maybe that's the more important part about what we do yeah and uh, a final encouragement I learned about the organization through um, one of the places I learned about it was through the leadership de- development program Glenn Gwinnett and so if you're looking to plug in you might think I don't have any skills I can't we don't need that we need hearts that's and exactly. hearts and hands and um, you really don't have to be brilliant at any one thing. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, many hands makes uh, the work light. Oh. Um, so,
1: And we have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. And uh, Carrie, I wanted to mention when you were talking about giving um, moms a little space and a little opportunity to breathe. I was in a support group and a mom said Uh, in the group since i've been here i've had time to hug my children again and so you just you just get that sense of of the intensity and the trauma of being in that situation and how it it just takes everything and then how when you come into the shelter and you've got folks coming in and saying here sit down let me bring you breakfast and you've got that sense again of light and joy right you can breathe and you can hug your
0: children Mm. yeah that's sweet. Yeah. Well, I do want to end on a nice and positive note. We chatted before the show. I would love for you to share with our listeners an example of a success story. Someone that came in and, and maybe is now flourishing independently. Um, any Anyone that you can share would be great.
1: Okay, absolutely. Well, and as we, we always make up names because yes, confidential, confidentiality is very important to us. Um, but I'll tell you about a woman, Rose, who came into our shelter, had suffered um, very, all abuse is serious, but had was a long-term, long-time survivor of um, domestic violence. She came in with four children, felt completely lost, completely overwhelmed. But when she came into the shelter, she told her advocate, I'm going to make this happen for me. I'm going to make it work. She found employment within two weeks of coming into the shelter. Uh, we were able to help her with child care costs um, because she was in the shelter she was able to save some money and we were then able to transition her into our supportive housing program she kept uh, herself employed but knew that she wanted to move even further so she started her own business she started her own cleaning business and she is now um, very successful with that and actually has uh, two people working with her in her cleaning business Um, and since coming into supportive housing she's now moved out into her own independent housing so just step by step she's taken everything that's available and grabbed it and 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 run with it and it's just been absolutely
0: tremendous to see well congratulations i know that's what that what that's what gets you up every day
1: that's why we're here that's what
0: it's about Ladies, thank you so much for joining us today and thank you for sharing your passion and your message about the organization. And again, for our listeners who would like to contribute or simply learn more, please visit www.padv.org. And ladies, I look forward to the 11th. I've ordered some good weather for us. Thank you. Thanks. We appreciate that. <laughs> we look forward to being out there. at bears best with you. For all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to listen to these shows, they are available online 24-7 at businessradiox.com. Select the Gwinnett Studio. Subscribe through your favorite podcast application and stay connected with us on social media at Gwinnett Radio X. Until next time, I am Amanda Pierce, and this has been Community Spotlight on Business Radio X.